Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I'm glad you're really here because we're going to talk about some things that are very, very exciting. This morning when I got up, I watched the news, and that's a fault of mine to watch the news. And uh, sometimes when you watch the news, you get all kind of bad news because they're not putting a lot of good news on there. But uh, I, I watched the news about the Iditarod uh, sled race in Alaska. How many of you have ever heard about that? Uh, I've been in Anchorage, and they have a ceremonial uh, beginning there in Anchorage, but actually the race starts north of Anchorage, and it's about a 900-mile race with the uh, sled dogs to Nome, Alaska. And the reporter was there reporting on this, and one of the uh, guys who's a dog trainer and a sled racer, he said there are two rules to this race. So he put the guy on the sled, and he says, okay, grab a hold of the bar. He said, rule number one, do not let go of the bar. He said, rule number two, do not let go of the bar. He said, because if you let go and fall off, the dogs will keep on running because they're trained to run. They want to win. How many of you know we got to just keep on moving and keep going forward? Amen. Stand with me. All over this house, I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray together, and then I want to just visit with you for a little while this morning. Would that be okay? Father, thank you for allowing us to be here today. Lord, we've already had one great service. We're looking for another great service today. We've already felt your presence. We're energized. We're excited. Lord, we worship. We're singing. We're going to continue to worship here in a moment. But Lord, today, speak to our hearts. Let us see what your word says. Let us cast vision today. Let us dream about what you're going to do. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. You may be seated, thank you. It was Dr. Martin Luther King who said, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep on moving forward. I grew up on a farm and a ranch, and my dad was old school, and he worked us very hard. And one of his sayings was, with Steve and I out working, he said, boys, I'm having to side you up against a fence pole to see if you're moving. <laughs> Now, some of you don't know what that means. Some of you do. But it means that we weren't working fast enough for him. So one of the things we have to do as a church, we have to keep on moving. We have to keep going forward. And one of the pitfalls of success is success itself. Because we feel like we've arrived, we've achieved something. And although that may be the case, but we cannot rest on past successes or, or, or past things that we've done well. And if we don't pursue moving forward, we get stalemated, we get stagnated. And sometimes we stop because we think there are no more successes out there. Or we feel like we can't reach any more successes. And even pastors can be guilty of that. Can I talk about preachers this morning? I mean, I am a preacher, so... It's all right if I talk about preachers, right? Uh, you know, sometimes when preachers are at a church for a long time or they get up to a certain age, they don't really pursue anything new because it just becomes more work. They think, why would I want to do that? That's more work for me. That's more that I have to lead, more that I have to try to uh, do. You know, there's an old story, and many of you have heard it, about the preacher who would leave his office every Friday at 4 o'clock. He would tell no one where he went. And he did this for months. And he would go out and he would disappear. 
And finally, some of the staff said, we're going to follow him. We're going to see what he's doing. They thought maybe he was doing something he shouldn't be doing. So every Friday, he would leave at 4 o'clock, and they followed him. And he would drive up to this high hill overlooking the railroad track. And every day at 4, the train would go by at a certain time. It was the train schedule. And he would watch the train go by. And they said, Pastor, what are you doing? He said, I'd like to watch something I'm not pushing. <laughs> and we've all felt that way. And sometimes we feel like, you know, why would I want to do this? Because it's more work, it's more effort, and sometimes, you know, the people get that way. It's going to cost money. But we can never afford to quit moving forward. We, we have to dream. We have to have vision. We have to continue to look at things that God has put in our hearts, in our mind, in our spirit. And, and we can all be guilty of that. Today we're launching a campaign called Moving Hope Forward for the Next Generation. That's what the video was about. And today we're going to talk about that and we're going to share some things with you. I have a group of young people who is going to pass out some cards and they're going to start right now. They're going to move all of the congregation. So I want you to listen to me as they pass a card out. Everybody take one. You don't have to do anything with it right now. If you've been here long enough, you know we're not pressuring you. We're not asking you to do anything other than just pray about what God can allow you to do and what God wants you to do. But we are going to start moving forward to build a brand new youth and children's center. 27,000 square feet to house our youth and our children. And for me, this is very, very exciting. Although I don't have any kids that will be over there or no grandkids at this moment, but yet I'm still excited about it because we have a lot of great young people, great kids in our church and in our county. 27,000 square feet. We anticipate the cost somewhere around $5 million, and I say that with tongue in cheek, because how many of you have ever built anything? And it never costs what you think it's going to cost. It always costs more than what you think it's going to cost, so we're saying somewhere around $5 million. The facility at its capacity will hold about 900 youth and children. It will be located directly across the parking lot from the front of this church. So if you walk out to the foyer today, look straight beyond the flagpole and right beyond the uh, parking lot, you will see the site where that new building will be located. It will be for first grade and middle school and high school. And uh, they will have their Sunday school classes and their children's church, their Wednesday night service, special events there. Each building will, I mean, th that building will contain classrooms, three auditoriums, each one seating 300 people, an indoor playground, a common area where middle school, high school can fellowship, they can eat, they can play games, sports, also have an outdoor patio area. And this is what I personally have, have felt over the years. I would not want my first grader to be over with the high school kids. So the one wing will be directly for first through fifth grade. The other sides will be for uh, junior high and high school and that common area for them to fellowship and for them to get together and then the kids will have their own areas. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we know is that when we have this facility, it's going to free up space here. So some of the rooms we're using, some of the buildings we're using now, 
those buildings will be free so we can use them for other things. On Wednesday night, we run about uh, 325 to 400 people on Wednesday night, which is pretty good. I mean, that's a great Wednesday night service, isn't it? A lot of churches would love to have that on Sunday morning, but we're blessed to have that on Wednesday night. We would have more classes if we had more rooms, but most of the rooms are already filled. We have one open now, but it's going to be filled here in about two weeks uh, or three weeks. And, and so we're, we're looking for some growing room, and growing pains are good pains. And we're thankful for that. That's why we're having two services on Sunday morning. So we're looking forward to some room and some expansion. And to me, you know, as you expand, then it gives us some tools to do some things that we're not able to do right now. Now, one of the things that's going to happen, even though we're going to construct that uh, building, our nursery and our preschool kids will still be here. They'll be right down the hall. We want to keep the parents and the babies and the preschool kids as close as possible together because every once in a while, we need the mom to come pick them up. And so we, we want to have them right here where you can come and pick them up and have them available, and they're just right down the hallway. So when we talk about this and we cast vision for this, this is not something that we have uh, just sprung on you. You know that we've had this in the works for a while. So let me ask, uh, ask the question that some of you ask, well, why are we just now kind of getting this launched when we've talked about it for about three or four years? Well, the reason why is because we had some other projects in the pipeline also. We added onto the food pantry, one of the metal buildings, we, we added onto it. We built a, a bus and a van barn so we could uh, house our vehicles on it, uh, in it. We built a new check-in area for our children. Many of you have seen that. You walk down the hallway. We, we had a problem. We had so many young families with children and babies that were trying to check their kids in, and we had a back up there. So we built a new space for it. And it's very beautiful. If you haven't been back there, you need to go look at it. It's very functional. And so we did that. I did not want to have about three or four projects going on at the same time. You know, you can start this and start that and start that, and then you don't ever finish any of it. That's what Carrie tells me at home. But uh, it's better to complete this and complete that and complete that. Now we can focus on this and give it some more full attention. We have already invested over $220,000 in this. You say, well, hey, we don't have anything out there. The architectural plans, the engineering plans to relocate facilities and, and uh, pipes and sewer lines and all those things, we had to go in there and begin to already do that. The good news is the engineering, the uh, architectural plans are already paid for. So that $220,000, almost a quarter of a million dollars, has already been paid. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, so we're that far ahead on this. And today we have an additional $142,000 earmarked just for this project. So we're starting out with $142,000 that you've already given to move this forward. At this time next year, at this time next year, this entire campus will be paid for. So we're talking about multi-millions of dollars. So when we stand here this time next year, Lord being our helper, everything you see here will be debt free. So we're going to begin to raise money. We're going to look to see where we are in one year from today. And at that, at that time, we're going to sit down to say, okay, how much money have we raised? How much do we have for this project? Are we ready to go? We want to raise more money. Do we want to borrow money? Whatever the case may be. 
I, I don't have the answer for that, but we will address that a year from now. But we want to raise as much money as we can and be as debt-free as we can. Now, listen, we believe God's a miracle-working God. And you never know. Between now and then, someone may come up and win the lottery. If you do, please tithe. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you never know what might happen. So we've seen God move in supernatural ways here. So we're believing God. We're trusting God. And folks, we believe this next generation is worth investing in. We believe the next generation is worth giving our work to and, and our effort to because we have some great children here. We have some great young people here. You heard what I'm seeing today. We have them everywhere in this church. And we have tremendous young people here. So we want to have you just to allow God to decide what you think he wants you to do in the next uh, few months and and we have a table set up out there where you can put your pledge card in either today next Sunday or uh, sometime in the future you can mail it in you can take it to the office whatever the case may be we're not going to pressure you nobody's going to call you nobody's going to dun you how many of you have been here long enough to know that's not what we do here we just don't do that here but obviously the people of God have to respond Take your Bible this morning very quickly to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, a verse you're very familiar with. Now let me just make this comment. A lot of times when Paul would write his letters, he's writing the letters after he's already established the churches. So he's writing the letter back to the Philippian church at Philippi. He's already made the journey. He's sending it back to them. And most of the time he's writing this in captivity. He's writing the letters in captivity. Many of the letters he writes are in captivity. He's in Rome in a house. He is being guarded. And now Paul is writing. And I want to pick it up at verse number 12. For that I've already attained. Or am I already, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, everybody say us. us. Let's say it again. Us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule let us be of the same mind. I want to give you six things very quickly this morning, and then we're going to go right back into worship here in a moment. This is what Paul is saying that I need to understand. You need to understand that, number one, I have not attained everything God has for me. You have not attained everything God has for you. How many of you believe with me there's some things in the Spirit, some things in God that we haven't really attained to yet? There are some things out there in our future that God has for us. Everything at my disposal I haven't received yet. There are some things that I have not accomplished yet. Some things that I want to gain. This word that Paul uses here for the word attain in verse 12 is translated receiver received 133 times in your Bible and the word is translated take 106 times in your Bible. Some things you receive, some things you got to reach out by faith and take it. Amen? It's yours. It's mine. 
But by faith, we have to reach out and we embrace it and we take it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Now what does that mean? We're not out there fighting a natural fight. We're not out there with weapons of carnal warfare or earthly warfare. But how many of you know the weapons of our warfare are strong in the spirit and we're gaining, we're receiving, we're taking things. And that's what Paul is saying. There are still things that I can do, I can receive, and I can possess. And Paul says that in light of Possibly he being bound, chained even, when he writes it. Isn't that something? Let me say this. When Paul writes one of his letters, and you know what the Lord said to Paul. He said, Paul, he said, you shall appear before me and be my witness before Caesar. How many of you ever read that in the Bible? You're going to go to Rome, you're going to be before Caesar, and you're going to talk about me in front of Caesar. God has a way of preaching his gospel to everybody. And I love in one of his letters when Paul writes, and he's writing the benediction, he says, and the household of Caesar greets you. Isn't that amazing? You know what history tells us? That they would put Roman guards on Paul to guard him, and he would preach to them, and they'd get saved. And they'd have to put new guards in there because Paul would convert them to Christianity. And so the next round of guards would come in to guard Paul. And he would preach the gospel to them, and they'd get saved. And evidently, some of Caesar's household got saved because Paul says, and the household of Caesar greets you. Isn't that wild? So Paul says, even though I am not in the best place in my life, how many have ever not been in the best place in your life, but God can still use you in a not-so-good place? And God can use me in a not-so-good place. And that's what Paul is saying. Number two, he says, I'm not perfected or I'm not perfect. Well, hello. None of us are perfect and none of us are perfected. But here's the question. Can imperfect people do great things for God? And the answer is absolutely yes. Because that's the only kind of people God has to work with is imperfect people. I mean, look at the person next to you. I rest my case. We're imperfect people. But the word here doesn't just mean imperfect. It means not completed. We're not in completion yet. We're not finished. This is not the end. But there is a goal out there that we're pursuing. Number three, he said, I want to apprehend. I want to apprehend. I want to lay hold on something. I want to gain something. I want to take it. I want to attain it, possess it. Can I ask you a question? Are there some things that God has promised you that you haven't seen happen yet? I think so. There's some things God's promised me I haven't seen happen yet. I think there's some things God has spoken to this church that we haven't seen happen yet. I can remember, some of you have been on this journey with us for a long time. I've been on it for about 40 years. I remember one of our friends who will be here in April stood up in our church. It was very small at the time. didn't have a lot of people. And he stood up and he said, Ray of Hope Church will become a nation-shaking church. Amen. And I'm sitting there on the pew and I thought, what? <laughs> we, we can't even get people to come two blocks away. We just have a little bitty handful of people. 
And he's getting up and he's prophesying, Ray of Hope shall be a nation-shaking church. Do you realize we have missionaries all over the world today? Do you realize we've sent over a million dollars to missions all over the world? How did that happen? God did that. The Word of God went forth and we just did what we do. I mean, we're just moving forward. And, and whether it's in Mexico or Africa or, or in the Middle East or, you know, whether it's in the Czech Republic or, or wherever we have people stationed and missionaries and teams going out, folks, that word literally came to pass. And it's coming to pass. And we still believe that God is doing things above and beyond and what we can even think or ask. It's even bigger than that. Can I hear an amen? For with God, all things are possible. So I think God's spoken some things to us that we haven't seen really fulfilled. And, and I want to see that happen, don't you? Paul says, I want to apprehend. I want to lay hold on some things and possess some things. Number four, he says, I do this. And this is what I do. I forget those things that are behind me. I forget the past and I reach forward to the things that are ahead of me. Is there anybody here that's ever done anything in your past you're ashamed of? You're so ashamed you didn't even raise your hand. We've all done things in our past that we're ashamed of. Let me tell you my recent, last night, Y'all are so holy. <laughs> I'd done a wedding yesterday afternoon, and Brian and Mel Fisher was with me, and so uh, we went to eat, and of course it was rainy, misty, dark. It was about, uh, about 9.30 last night, and I'm coming through town, and about the time I get to the red light, it turns yellow, and the roads are wet, and I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and go through the intersection. I don't want to lock up and slide through the intersection. Guess who's over to my left? <laughs> Me and one of the officers had fellowship last night. <laughs> I said, I don't think I was speeding. He said, why didn't you stop? I said, well, I didn't want to slide through the intersection. I don't think he believed me. But, <laughs> but he took my license and he said, slow down. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> so all is well. So I went on. But, but everybody's done things that you wish you could undo, or maybe you really blew it. Maybe you really messed up. And, and maybe you're here today and say, hey, everybody knows what I did, and it's horrible, or I've been in prison, or I've been an addict, or I, I cheated, or, or it could be a dozen other things. Hey, God is full of grace and mercy, and he is a forgiver. Matter of fact, he's so much a forgiver, he says, I will take your sins and put them in the depths of the sea to remember them against you no more. That's what God said. Have you ever said this? Well, I can't forgive myself. Well, you, you, really, technically, you were never supposed to forgive yourself because that's God's. That's his category. I understand. Yeah, we have to forgive ourselves. But listen, you, you can't play tennis by yourself. You, you can't be the sinner and the forgiver. Right? I mean, you, you can't serve to yourself. Okay, you, you'll get that on the way home. But I'm saying that, that Paul says, I have to forget some things. Paul, what do you have to forget? 
I killed Christians. I held the coats of the people who stoned Stephen. I had letters going to Damascus breathing out threatenings to the church. I consented to their death. Do you not understand that? This haunts me. I have to forget that. I have to put that under the blood of Jesus. I have to put that in the grace of God. And guess what? You do too. So do I. We have all done things. And Paul says, I've got to forget the past. I've got to reach forward to the things that are ahead of me. And really in our church, I'm thankful for where God brought us from. Aren't you? Folks, if you've been on this journey, this has been an incredible journey. But it's not over. And so we can say, boy, you've got to see how good I used to be. I mean, I was really good. I mean, you go back to high school reunion, you know what? We were better today than we were back then. I mean, it's amazing how good we got when we left school. I mean, we scored touchdowns we never scored before. <laughs> but guess what? We've we got to keep going forward. We, we, we can't rest on the laurels of our success of the past. We, we keep moving. We, we keep possessing. We keep believing. Can I hear an amen? The fifth thing, he says, I press toward the goal. He said, I run after. I'm pursuing. I'm following something here. And the word here most of the time is translated persecute. I thought, why is this word in other passages translated persecute? Because Paul is giving us this picture. I'm pursuing something, but it sure isn't easy. Because as I go, there are people trying to stop me from getting to where I'm going. How many of you know you have an adversary? And I have an adversary. And he doesn't want you to get where you're going. If you're trying to turn your life around today, guess what? He doesn't want you to turn your life around. If you're trying to grow today, he doesn't want you to grow. If you're trying to bring your kids to church today, he doesn't want you to bring your kids to church today. If you're trying to get your life straight, he doesn't want you to get your life straight. You have an adversary. And sometimes the adversary is not old slewfoot. Sometimes it's somebody that has another foot. And they wear Johnson Murphy's. And, and, the, and ladies, if I knew a ladies brand of shoes, I would give that to you, but I don't know. <laughs> they have different shoes on. Sometimes the enemy is your own household. But we're pursuing, we're going somewhere. We're, we're trying to get our families under the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a Father in heaven that we want to love and let him lead us. And, and we, we want to feel the presence of God in our homes and our families, our marriages, our kids. And there's an enemy out there that wants to keep you from that. And Paul says, hey, I'm pursuing, but it's almost like in the pursuit I'm persecuted. And he was, wasn't he? As he would travel, as he would go forward, there was resistance, shipwreck. There was the, 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 the people that tried to stop him. And he says, I, I am, I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm pursuing something, but the pursuit is difficult. It's not always easy. To achieve it, it takes strong endeavor. It takes great focus. It takes great determination to arrive at my goal and my destination. Here's the sixth thing. He says, I press to the goal, the mark, the prize, the high calling of God, the invitation of God in Christ Jesus. The guys will know this. You ever done the military press? The bench press? 
the leg press. What is that? Well, if you're a weightlifter, you know exactly what it is. You're pressing, you're pushing. I mean, there, there's resistance. And, and Paul says, I'm pressing to the goal, the mark, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you believe God does have a mark? And, and he does have a goal. And he does have a destination for you and me and us corporately. And he's invited us. It's an invitation. He says, okay, here's the mark. Now, you can either press to it, you can push to it, you can pursue it, or you don't have to. But here it is. You know how you get there? You get there by faith. You get there by determination. You get there by believing the Word of God. You get there by confessing it. You get there by walking it out every day in your life. And, and I get there the same way. And, and so we know it's there. And if we're willing to be stressed, if we're willing to be motivated, if we'll hold on to the dog sled, and if we don't fall off, we can be a part of the race. And guess what? If we stay in this race, everybody wins. There's a crown laid up for everybody. But until then, this is where we live. This is who we are. Here's a question for you. Can we make a difference in the lives of children and young people today? Yeah. I believe the answer is yes. Can we prevent a young person from going the wrong direction? I believe the answer is yes. I believe that we can do something about that. Ravi Zacharias, and many of you know who he is. I heard him say this the other day. When he said it, something just really gripped my spirit. He said, how do you reach a generation that listens with its eyes and thinks with its feelings? When he said that, something went off inside of me. And I took a pencil and paper and I wrote these words. We're facing a generation that so many of them, not all, but so many of them, truth is relative. Culture is God and the, the media is the prophets. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And the God of this world has blinded their eyes. How in the world do people like us make a difference? I think we make a difference one child, one young person at a time. It reminded me of the story that you've all heard about the big storm on the coast and all this debris and some of the fish and many of the starfish were washed up on the shore and this little boy is going down the shore and he's throwing starfish back in the ocean. And one man said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean. He said, well, you'll never throw all the starfish back in the ocean. So there's thousands of them. You're not going to make a difference. And he said, I made a difference to this one and 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 this one. And guess what? He's not asking us to save the world. How many of you know he's the Savior? But he's asking us to do what we can do and what we can do and what we should do. And so we can do that. We have people working with our kids. We have sponsors. We have ministers. We have workers. We have musicians. We have teachers. And let me tell you, they have a heart for our kids. Let's give them the tools to do something better than what we're doing today. Is that a cure-all? Oh, no, it's not a cure-all. Are there going to be other youth centers bigger than ours and better than ours? Oh, I assure you there are. But let's do what we can do. Yeah. Let's, let, let, let's do something in our county that will be phenomenal. Yeah. Amen. Not for anybody, 
Not that you can be lifted up or I can be lifted up. Guess who needs to be lifted up in this? Jesus needs to be lifted up. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So if we lift him up, if, if we do what we can do, if we, if we kind of continue to move forward for the next generation, I believe God's in this. Let me tell you two stories and I want to finish. Most of you know that our church has had a phenomenal run and success and so many of you have been part of that and many of you know where we came from and, and how we've progressed. And I've had a couple of uh, incidences even in our area where people have come to me and they said, Pastor Mike, we've seen Ray of Hope where it came from, where, where it's going and what God is doing. Can you give us some insight on how to do that and why we haven't seen that in our church. And how many of you know you shouldn't always say what you think? <laughs> and this is one occasion I did what was right. I didn't say everything that I thought. But this is my first thought. I said because we were willing to do things you weren't willing to do. We were willing to do work you weren't willing to work. And we were willing to make sacrifices you weren't willing to make. Amen. And then another person came to me and kind of posed the same question. And they said, we, we don't have any real kids or young people in our church. We, we just don't have many. And could, could you give us some insights, some ways or some thoughts of how, how we might could do that. And I said, let me give you a hypothetical situation here. Let's say that uh, next Sunday and the week after that and the month after that, God began to send young families to your church with children and babies and, you know, elementary kids and junior high kids and high school kids and Let's say you, you begin to have a lot of families come in with children, and I knew their church, I've been in their church, and it's a lovely church. And they said, well, okay. And I said, would you be willing to start knocking the walls out, putting in a nice nursery, putting in classrooms, start doing some activities and build things for the kids to do and, and build space and have people that could teach and people who could lead and... You know what their answer was? Probably not. We probably wouldn't make that investment. And this was my analogy. If I'm sending my kids over to spend the night at your house, and you're not going to provide them a place to sleep, or you're not going to feed them while they're over there, guess what? I'm probably not going to keep sending my kids to your house. So why would God send his kids to a place that wasn't going to take care of them? Now, I've already said this. I, I don't have any kids back there, although I feel like they're all mine. I love on them, and they love on me, and, and I don't have any grandkids back there. I don't know why that's the case, but... <laughs> One of these days I will. But let me tell you, I, I'm, I'm excited what God's going to do for your kids. Some of you are fixing to have children. Some of you just had new babies. And obviously this is going to take some time, but hey, 
wouldn't it be great if we could just supply some great facilities for them to meet with their friends? And, and my boys grew up here in this church, and we, we didn't have everything for them that we even have now. But let me tell you, my kids benefited from being here. Because they made lifelong friends. When they dated, they would go on group dates. How, how many of you are glad your kids go on group dates? And they ran around with, uh, you know, the church kids. And, and you know, you got to be careful. Some of them ran around with the deacons and the elders' kids. So <laughs> you, you got to be careful about that. But, but, but this is a community of believers. And so when we get these young people together and these kids together, as iron sharpeneth iron, how do you know it's a good thing? And we want to bring other kids in here, and, and we want to reach our Jerusalem and our Judea. And we can do that. And we can help do that. Let me read one last thing. Someone wrote this. I'm only one, but I am someone. I can't do everything, but I can do something. That what I can do, I must do, and by the grace of God, I will do. I believe I am someone, I'm somebody in Jesus, and I can do something. Say that with me. I can do something. Now, let's all say it. Here we go. I can do something. I told you when I started, let me end it with the same thing. In the mornings, a lot of time I get up and I, I watch the news. Sometimes it is so depressing. And I watch people marching in streets. I watch college campuses. I, I, I watch some of the things that happen. And a lot of it is young people. And this is what we can have a habit of doing. We can be in the habit of criticizing the next generation instead of helping the other generation come up with grace and truth and love. And so I have to be careful. And sometimes Carrie says this to me, Mike, you act like the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I said, I'm sorry, honey, but we live in very perilous, difficult times. And it grieves my heart. And it should grieve your heart. And it should motivate us to do something about what we see in our world. And sometimes you feel like me. I feel like I'm the little kid with the dike that's leaking. And I have my finger in the dike. And I think, how can I stop this thing? And sometimes you feel that way too. But I'll guarantee you, we can do more together. We are better together. And we can do something in the name of Jesus to change our community and change our world. And if we just get one young person to heaven, it is worth more than the entire planet according to Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. Let's continue. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.